Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Chaos Strikes Back, a critical vulnerability in Microsoft Azure Cosmos DB. Next up, BEC is a scam dunk. Small New Hampshire town loses 2.3 million. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 95, recorded on August 30th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, bask in the pun, LaBelle, with me, co-host Chad, rest assured, Anderson, or it should be assured, excuse me, Chad. And then last but not least, Tim, don't rob Peterborough to pay St. Paul Helming. I'm not very self-azured with saying the word azure, I will just say. Mm. It does get <laughs> it does get pronounced a lot of different ways. I appreciate it. I appreciate you saying that, Tim. <laughs> All right, so um I think it's decided we have our 100th episode coming up and I think what the audience wants is just a 40-minute episode of Chad's mm. His, his, his grunt. It's prominent. It's Grunts prominent. of I, affirmation with Chad. <laughs> mm. I know what the sound looks like from the number of times that I've edited and produced these episodes. I know what I know a Chad grunt <laughs> by heart. <laughs> That's a new one. That would be a new, slightly new. I want to do the growl, like the Roy Kent uh, growl. I think uh, maybe I need to need to work on that. I think we need an example of what you mean by that. I I can't do it yet. I've been I've been practicing. I'll I'll let you know. Okay. Maybe it'll, it'll be for the hundredth episode. I'm going to just totally advertise my ignorance here and say I don't I don't get that reference. It is from uh, the single greatest show on television right now, Ted Lasso. Um, which makes you want to be a better person, um, which is really annoying. But uh, it's just a oh, fantastic show. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, it, I haven't started that one, but it's on my list. Really good stuff. I, uh, yeah, I went with your recommendation after I got caught up on Ted Lasso though and started watching Lupin, which uh, is fantastic. Yeah, that's a we're good shills show. now for television, by the way. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Tom Hanks kind of convinced us that we should start um, <laughs> promoting uh, Netflix and chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, give T Hanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, shall, shall we talk about our articles today? There is some shilling in one of the articles, so it does tie mm. in, I'd say, mm-hmm. quite nicely. Mm. Is two grunts is yes, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering the chart correctly. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a, it's like looking at Morse code. There we Morse go. Code. I'd like a Morse code. Could you could you spin up a site where it translate words into Morse code, but it's all in Chad grunts, and then you need like a short and a long grunt. Mm. I think you could partner with Tim on. <laughs> Exactly. I think we're on Yeah, that that here. actually shouldn't be too hard to script up. Um <laughs> by lunchtime maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If that's appropriate. Mm. 
That is. He he just grunted I and E. By the way, just so y'all know. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I knew that you would know Morse code by heart. Do you? Would you say? Oh yeah. You are pretty f- fluent in Morse code. Oh yeah, yeah. I can I can copy it at around twenty words a minute, and which in Morse code land is not not terrible. Uh, so yeah. If you ever need lessons. I want to ask you to say something in Morse code, but I can't think of the right da, word. Da, 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 That was okay. <laughs> I was hoping that was your favorite song. <laughs> well, you know, Rush famously uh, encoded YYZ, or as they would say, YYZ, in Morse code at the beginning of their tune of that name. The airport identifier for Toronto, for those not familiar. Oh my gosh. I'd like a podcast on this. We're going to have to do a, like a some sort of crossover episode or a, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to do a, a Breaking Badness, Tim Helming and Chad Anderson interests. And mm. we'll talk about everything. <laughs> we'll talk about everything but security. That's the plan. That's the new podcast after we hit the 100th episode. It's everything but security. Everything, everything but, but ransomware. Everything <laughs> but ransomware. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into that security stuff. So the first. I'll just say real to- quickly. Uh, sorry, I, I hate to interrupt, but I just have no. to say Anderson Grunts would be a pretty good name for a podcast. <laughs> That's better be your Twitter handle name. Yeah. I know Piffy is pretty great, but Anderson Grunts. That's my. Uh, that's my band name. It's like hi, we're Anderson Grunts. <laughs> Gonna play a few songs for you. This one's called mm. Is it Grunt Grunge? Because that'd be very Seattle of you. Mm, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. What does a what does a grunt look like on a flannel? You tell us. <laughs> I think a grunt is kind of intrinsically flannel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you purposely grunting more, Chad, or is have we made you more self-aware so you it's like organically coming out of you at a higher frequency? That's a great question. Can't answer. Um, <laughs> although I really have to think about it. You're like, mm. <laughs> hmm. The all-knowing grunt. A very specific, very specific grunt. Um, excellent. Well, let's let's get into our first article so we can hear grunts in the wild, uh, which is chaos strikes back. So researchers have discovered a critical vulnerability in a Microsoft Azure flagship database product, Cosmos DB, that gives an attacker the ability to read, write, and delete Cosmos DB customers' data. So I think a good place to perhaps start, Chad, is what is Chaos DB? So Chaos DB is uh, the name for, like you were saying, an Azure Cosmos DB cloud vulnerability found by the same folks uh, at Wiz who a few weeks ago brought us that interesting cloud DNS cross-account vulnerability that allowed anyone to take over a DNS zone um, uh, that they didn't own, essentially. So uh, their research team has been doing lots of interesting cloud security research and are building up this cloud vulnerability community. Um, but, you know, I won't go too far into fandom there because I'm starting to sound like a whiz stan. But uh, basically, Chaos TV is just another uh, like cross-account kind of takeover vulnerability. Ah, nice. 
Yeah, you're starting to sound like a stan. And also, what do you call, what's plural for multiple whiz, whiz, whizzes, whizzes? Whizzes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they refer to employees at whiz, as wizards or wizards or, or what, you know, it's, it's, I'm curious. The wizened we ones? domain tools. Yeah, we are the domain tools. <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of tools. We say that lovingly, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tim, were you saying something there? I might have cut you off. No, I well, I, I'll just jump in here and say, and you know, our again, our listeners from the Northeast will get this, but um, this just proves nobody beats the whiz. <laughs> well, Chad, what can you tell our audience about the vulnerability itself? Yeah, so to do that, let's kind of hop into some uh, Azure offerings here. So Cosmos DB is Microsoft's answer to hosted Cassandra, basically. Uh, NoSQL data store, scales infinitely, all the blah, 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 cloud promises, you know, things we're used to that um, usually don't come through. Uh, or, well, at least not without a lot of money out of your pocket. But uh, anyways, interacting with that data can be done through Jupyter Notebooks. Um, and so Jupyter Lab is this environment for writing and documenting the code you're working on. We use them a lot in the research world as kind of sandbox environments and ways to kind of share the uh, kind of thought processes as you work through messing with um, you know, this large data stores. So, and, and Jupyter Notebooks can point to anything that, you know, Python or whatever can. So, uh, the world's, um, your oyster basically. So you create these notebooks, which can then be rerun. And it's a very useful way to work with huge data stores, share your work with other people. And there's community notebooks that are out there and whatnot. We're big fans of them here at Domain Tools. I have my personal notebooks hosted up on GitHub. Uh, it's great. It's industry standard. Uh, but that said, there was a vulnerability in Microsoft's hosted Jupyter Notebooks implementation that sat on top of Cosmos DB or allowed access to that data that then allowed attacker to go from one of their notebooks to a victim's notebook instance to then full admin rights on victim databases. So every Cosmos DB user was affected. So this is, you know, literally thousands of organizations. My gosh. Also, anytime anybody brings up sandboxes, I just imagine them like giggling and happy playing in a sandbox as an adult human. And so, Chad, I just imagined you giggling and playing in a sandbox. And it was a really happy look for you. I'll just say, I don't know if you do that often. I mean, you got to watch out for the cat pee and all, but. Uh, you know, I, I always hated being dirty as a kid. So whenever I'd get sat in a sandbox, I would just sit there and cry. Uh, so that you can now imagine that as a, as a young Chad, you know, I just would hold my hands up and, and just ball. Uh, so yeah, you know, I love sandboxes. They're great. No trauma at all. <laughs> Could you send a picture of that? I'd like to make that my new desktop. Um, <laughs> well, Chad, how was the vulnerability discovered and what does that timeline look like for the disclosure process? They, so they discovered the vulnerability in August, uh, but it's been a problem for months beforehand. Uh, so Microsoft has since disabled the feature, but literally every single Cosmos DB user was affected. If you have Cosmos DB in your environment, it's time to rotate keys and assume you've been compromised. Play a game of musical keys. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, to Actually, the, uh, the rotating keys would be another decent band name for, ooh, ooh. for security nerds. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. 
<laughs> People think they're walking into a piano bar. It's actually a cybersecurity shop and band. And a sandbox. And a sandbox. With private private Keys is another military name, too, that, you know, that oh. probably <laughs> is confusing to some people. Yeah, that was uh, while uh, Alicia Keys uh, during her military career was uh, Private Keys for a short time before being promoted to Private First Class Keys. Correct. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, my God. Fantastic. <laughs> there was a whole infrastructure around her. Yeah. <laughs> well, so did Microsoft uh, fix this issue? And what have they said externally about this vulnerability, if anything? So they initially, you know, disabled the feature, um, but only communicate out to about 30% of potential victims, according to Wiz today, um, or maybe it was yesterday, who knows anymore. Uh, they released some guidance for um, folks that do use Cosmos DB uh, and, you know, kind of ways to mitigate. So um, this is kind of an interesting space and something that's being discussed in the cloud security research community about whether or not these vulnerabilities need to have some sort of CVE like structure and release. You know, CVEs work great for traditional application vulnerabilities because the version remains um, and is vulnerable and someone probably runs it, you know, uh, in perpetuity. There's, you know, NT4 boxes still out there that are vulnerable to, you know, everything that's happened since 1998 or whenever that was. So uh, but for these Managed service offerings uh, from Microsoft or Amazon or whoever, they update their services and the vulnerability becomes largely irrelevant. Um, I think that some of these companies then think like, oh, it's fixed, nothing to see here, move along, and, and that's it, it's over. Um, and we kind of forget about these, uh, you know, large problems. Like the, the DNS one is a, is a great example of most of the cloud services that they found that were vulnerable are already fixed. Uh, there's scanners that were written and, uh, you know, we're moving along. I don't know if that's a good thing for security or, you know, it's important to have some sort of archive of these things like in a CV like structure, but yeah, it's an interesting space. Absolutely. And speaking of how can folks tell if their organization was impacted, especially as you mentioned that only about 30% of those affected were reached out to by Microsoft. And also what can those folks do to actually mitigate the risk? And really how bad is this? I mean, how concerned should folks be? So I think this is a pretty big deal just because it does affect anyone who uses Cosmos DD. Uh, just the fact that it could have been leveraged very trivially um, and affect all Users uh, makes this an interesting one. You know, you you, you want to go and rotate your keys, basically, if you use Cosmos DB in your organization. Uh, this was able, someone was able to get full administrative rights um, with like a pretty trivial exploit. So a likelihood that it was actually exploited by someone before, you know, this, um, the researchers from Wiz came along, probably pretty low, but, uh, you know, you can't take that kind of risk when you're a defender. So uh, yeah, time to rotate those keys. Like pause the podcast, rotate your keys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think once we hit that hundredth episode, we should move rather than our hoodie rating, which is more reactive to a proactive and we'll call it the likely hoodie. Mm. And oh. good idea. Mm. <laughs> or maybe it'll be the grunt scale. Um, but that's that's mm. Mm. <laughs> that's like an extended a binary plus it's like zero one or two i'd say if we get two grunts there's some intrigue on chad's part um i think we need to make a likely hoodie and i think the design for it needs to be an eight ball that just says likely you know uh that's a pretty good idea 
And we that's could... our that's our next bit of swag. I thought I was imagining you having like a physical like the black hoodie with elements of the magic eight ball and then just seeing people get shaken <laughs> at their shoulders and be like, oh, is it likely? <laughs> just let's just shake Jack and see what the his hoodie says. That's a really good idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Jack in that scenario would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just at every single stand up, you're like, well, we need to make a decision. <laughs> Shake things up. What happened? Who's wearing the hoodie? The hoodie? <laughs> It'd be like a shame hoodie. Go put the hoodie on and we're going to shake you. Like, that's a, that might have some legal implications. Um, well, speaking of hoodies, then, Tim, I'm going to ask you after hearing Chad's analysis here what you'd rate this at from zero to 10, 10 being very bad, zero being. Not so bad. Kind of neutral. Nine hoodies and a front pocket. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, do, does does a hacker hoodie have a front pocket on it, actually? I don't know if that's been... If that's canon or not. Gotta have somewhere to put snacks, you know? And your leather Burritos. when you're not typing. Mm-hmm. Burritos. <laughs> a hoodie with a burrito. I got a burrito a couple weeks ago that would have stretched my hoodie's front pocket like to the point where I might have been embarrassed to wear the hoodie again. I mean, it was an obscenely huge burrito. It was delicious, but uh, but it was it was just uh, irresponsibly large. Anyway, (laughs) nine irresponsible burrito is another fantastic band name. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, this is a big deal. Uh, rotate your keys, and then you can resume the podcast and find out what else happened in security this week. Uh, you know, anytime the um, the degree of degradation that can be performed in a trivial way is this high, it's that's a big deal. And uh, hopefully, the other seventy percent of those users that Microsoft didn't notify now know. Um, through the various security channels that were all abuzz with this information over the weekend. So, yeah, go fix it. <laughs> well said, Tim. And Chad, would you agree with that nine rating from Helming there? You know, I'd actually go a little bit lower, like maybe into the six or seven range. And I just kind of because of this thing I'm talking about where these companies, when it's managed services, just roll out an update. It's all like re-secured again and um, things are much, there's much faster turnaround um, to getting things fixed than if it was like something that was still lingering and sitting out there like, um, I don't know, a bunch of vulnerable Microsoft Exchange servers. So yeah, because of that and because it can be something that's quickly iterated on and fixed, I'm going to rate it a little bit lower at like a seven, but uh, it certainly was bad while it was open. Uh, While the vulnerability was there, that was nine out of 10. But uh, that quick turnaround time from Microsoft and, um, you know, some interesting research from Wiz, I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit more secure out there. That's where the likely hoodie would have been quite valuable Mm -hmm. retrospectively. So Chad, this is on you for not giving our audience a heads up. I just... Hmm. I grunted twice. What do they want? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, let's transition here into our our second article, which is BEC is a scam dunk. 
So Peterborough, a small New Hampshire town, has lost 2.3 million after a successful attack by scammers. That was, for once, not the word that begins of, with R that we don't use unless we absolutely have to on this podcast. Um, rhymes with hair. Um, so this is this is interesting. And again, try not to use the word that rhymes with hair term. Well, it really um, rhymes with transom hair. Transom which, hair. Which boat owners with uh, shedding dogs have to deal with regularly. <laughs> Tim, I think you need to tell our audience about some HR documentation that you might have spoofed um, that at, oh, you know, yeah. four times we, we would have seen. But I don't know. Sure. You know, I, I mean, uh, the picture is worth a thousand words here. And I think maybe we should just append one of them to the to the podcast or I could tweet them or something. Oh, well, you know, right. they uh, yeah, they 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 have these and. You know, not to make fun of the services that are offered because they're good, but, you know, these support services for dealing with things that are hard to deal with. And and they just seemed like they kind of were crying out for being spoofed. So, uh, yeah, I, I did one on selling your boat. And I love the picture that I found for it, by the way. It was this boat that was sitting upright in uh, in the water, but it was obvious that it had sunk by a couple of feet. And um, so somebody needed to sell that hulk uh, real quick. But I did that, and I did one on, I, th- I think, naming your pet or something like that and, like, cleaning your car. Uh, so Did you take your own advice when you yourself got a dog? Well, she hasn't uh, deposited enough hair in the cars for it to matter yet, but, you know, give her a little time. She's not a shedding kind of dog, though. I used to have a shedding dog. True story. I found hairs from my shedding dog on not the floor, not the wall, but the ceiling of (laughs) not my house, not my car, but my office at work. Now, how does that happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, she, she was a great dog. Lost a lot of hair. Never looked any <laughs> <Holy> different. <shed. laughs> Truly. Wow. That's impressive. I don't think I've come across that. Peanut, peanut sheds, but not, I have not found it on the ceiling yet. And I will be contacted. Just give her a little time. Happens. Yeah. Challenge accepted. I hope she didn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, we, uh, you know, we're not talking about somewhere but something did go down in new hampshire and tim what what was that what did it go down in new hampshire well yeah so i guess if it's not the r word it's going to be the p word or the b acronym so this little town in uh bucolic and booze tax free new hampshire became the victim of a so-called business email compromise attack to the tune, as you mentioned, of 2.3 million. You didn't mention what the units were, and it was not 2.3 million tiny goldfish crackers. Uh, That was whole American dollars. And they lost them in a number of separate but uh, undoubtedly related events. So uh, the first one of these they noticed was a payment to a local school district, and that was for 1.2 million that did not go through. Or 
Actually, it's, it half went through. The money left the town's bank, but it never made it into the school district's bank. Uh, and then it turned out there were a couple of others that involved a construction contractor where it was the same deal. The train left the first station and never arrived at the second, so to speak. <laughs> Good call, too, on the units. That's pretty important. And now I want to go find some ridiculous units for future podcast episodes that I can translate them to. My so dad used to regularly give me large denomination foreign bills where they, you know, the the currency uh, was at a point of value where, you know, you needed like two million of whatever they were to buy a cup of coffee. He He found it very amusing to give me those. That's hilarious. And also the beginning of that sentence might have just reduced any opportunity for you to go into politics <laughs> yeah probably i don't even remember what i said but uh. oh that's so funny yeah that, that's a uh, pretty common especially in southeast asia i remember picking up millions and that was that was a, a terrifying thing to see on the atm exactly for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> imagine for the person back home though right and they say that you you just withdrew 1.2 million from the account uh you'd you'd be getting a phone call oh my gosh yeah that's an ulcer brewing right there that's for sure um like well tim can you also can you brush your audience up on bec or business email compromise yeah absolutely so we're gonna have a taxonomy lesson here so uh first you got your social engineering in general which is manipulating humans rather than manipulating machines. And then you got your phishing. And I can imagine, uh, I can't imagine actually that there's anyone listening to Breaking Badness who's not familiar with your phishing. Then you got a species of fish that's known as your business email compromise. And that's where you use phishing. And a lot of times in com combination with other techniques like phone conversations or text messages or whatever communication uh, process that's not in person, um, anyway, and you use those methods to get your victim to make a funds transfer into an account that they think is legitimate, or at least that they think they're not supposed to question, uh, but instead they're paying the criminal. So in the case of the charming and ideally situated Peterborough, New Hampshire, the lure was that the criminals were posing as these accounts payable recipients. So the school district and that uh, contractor. So another way that BEC goes down a lot of times you hear about this is where the criminal poses as some kind of a corporate executive like the CEO or CFO or something like that and asks a subordinate to make a wire transfer and usually they want them to do it right away. And so there you have it. That's what business email compromise is. Very well said. That was a fantastic vocabulary lesson as well. That was perfect. And I, I am curious then, let's let's talk about this, what happened this last week, um, and what was the timeline of events for the folks over in Peterborough? Well, first the earth cooled, then the dinosaurs came, then a few other things happened, and before you knew it, it was July 26th, 2021, the date that the town select board, which uh, in a lot of New England towns, that's kind of what they call their town council, uh, discovered the fraud related to the school board. And they did they did what you're supposed to do right after you discover this. Of course, they put a hold on the transfer, although that was too late. And they got in touch with the Secret Service, um, not the bulletproof vest 
uh, and well-armed secret service that you think about. Uh, but these are more the ones where, who are more obviously part of the treasury department. And so then on August 18th, they learned of the transfers to that, uh, fake contractor. And on the 23rd, they issued a press release, uh, that described what had just happened here. So I do have to interject and say that in 2003, the Treasury Department uh, no longer runs the Secret Service, but they're under the Department of Homeland Security. Something I learned recently. Oh, well, I didn't learn that recently. I was today years old when I learned that. I thought they were still under uh, under Treasury. But it makes way more sense for them to be under Homeland Security. Okay. It does, yeah. I, I uh, learned last week, actually. So we're, it's news to all of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now a lot of Breaking Badness listeners also know that. So, Just trying to keep like to, the facts straight. Yeah, we'd like to provide educational services here. Enter the, the more you know soundbite from NBC. That's right. That you covered with the, the little star coming across the screen. Um, well, is there any information then, Tim, on who actually carried out this BEC incident, if you will? Well, in a lot of cases, you can't tell. And this is one of those cases. So, you know, the smart money is that it's criminals who are responsible for this. But... In the fullness of time, we might find out more about who specifically defrauded this verdant and lively community in New Hampshire. Who would have thought this would put Peterborough on the map? Peterborough, not Petersborough. It's not what they were hoping for. But, you know, folks, the fall foliage is really great there. So, you know, it's not all about BEC. So go (laughs) check out Peterborough and its neighboring lovely little communities, and get your tax-free booze. Brought to you by the New Hampshire. <laughs> That's right. This episode of Breaking Badness brought to you by the New Hampshire Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> the New Hampshire Shills. <laughs> That'd be a good baseball team name, I think. I don't know. Um, well, what does this mean for this quaint little town with beautiful foliage? And can they? you, you sort of alluded to earlier about them not being able to recover the funds. Um, and what does this look like in terms of the investigation for them? Yeah, so they, they well, they certainly can in, uh, expect to investigate because they already are. And uh, for recovering the funds, so just in the sense of pausing the transfer, they were not able to do that. Now, in the sense of actually clawing these funds back from the criminals, never say never because... It's not impossible for that to happen. There was a story about that with a um, R-word gang uh, a little while ago, but it's pretty rare. So what's a bit more probable is they'll get some kind of relief, maybe uh, from insurance coverage. Uh, They don't know the answer to that either. And, you know, cyber fraud insurance is definitely a thing right now. And if you're the investing type, who knows, it might be a good industry to invest in because I think we're going to hear more and more about the role that cyber insurance plays in everyday commerce. Ah, yes. We talked about this a little bit on our last episode with our friends Adam and Bo. So and see, we're going to talk about it more and more. I just, I, I think that's, you know, because here's what, here's what happens. It ultimately, it's all about money and it comes down to who's going to pay and how's that determined. And insurance always gets involved one way or another. Absolutely. This leads us to one of the last questions, which is what are the repercussions with what we know thus far of this attack? Yeah, well, since they don't know whether or to what extent the 
this historic and scenic community will be made financially whole after these thefts. It's hard to know what the repercussions are. Of course, it will embolden other criminals that are looking to pull off BECs against municipalities. And you know it's being studied by those cyber insurance actuaries. And uh, even though this isn't the R word, um, there are some parallels in terms of the recovery phase after a successful attack and what kinds of legislative or policy or best practices changes might come along um, to help assist victims. Very well said, Tim. And I I have to also think uh, or, or share this idea I have with you, which is you should come together with a band of percussionists and call yourself the repercussionists. Oh, that's a good idea. We could play all our shows at least twice. <laughs> In fact, I think we'd have to. <laughs> or at least have massive reverb that. added uh, mm. to every one of them. Ooh, that's an idea. <laughs> well, you got me uh, thinking here. I know. <laughs> I got a room full of drums that aren't getting played very much. <laughs> now you'll play them twice. Um, well, I know we spend a lot of time talking about things that should not be named, um, which we've referred to as, as the R word or ransomware. Uh, but it seems like BEC is just as, if not sometimes more so effective and a little scary. So how concerned should defenders be when it comes to BEC-based incidents or attacks? Yeah, I mean, I remember... Just a few years ago, it seems so, I don't know, innocent uh, by comparison, when BEC was kind of the big thing. That was the big story. You know, when you kept hearing about somebody who got taken to the cleaners, it was BEC. So, but here's what I'll say. So first off, every single person in the world is vulnerable to social engineering. And so, in fact, even anyone, anyone who thinks they can't be social engineered is probably more likely... Uh, to fall victim to it than a person who acknowledges that it can be pretty darn hard to tell sometimes if you're being uh, played or not. Um, And notice, too, that in these attacks, uh, like I mentioned, no electronic systems were hacked. It was just the humans that were hacked. So the role of the defender becomes things like user education, which I, you know, you've heard me say this a thousand times. I'm a big supporter of that. It drives me crazy when you see those hot takes that user education is useless. I couldn't disagree more. Um, And maybe to some extent, you know, making sure that the email filtering is good at detecting spoof domains in those emails. Uh, We don't know what the emails look like in this attack, but in a lot of these, they do come from somebody that's using a domain that's spoofing the organization where the victim works. Um, And there are some email systems that have ways to discover those and block them. But really, I think you have to zoom out a little bit from what we usually think of as defenders. Um, There are things like uh, policies that you can put in place. So if you think about the CEO version of business email compromise, um, you could have a policy that says if whenever there is a wire transfer requested from the CEO, even if those legitimately happen a lot, the person who actually does the wire transfer has to like call the CEO on their cell phone, not a cell phone number that came in that email, by the way, but one that's like distributed to everybody ahead of time or company directory or whatnot, and confirm that that really is a legitimate wire transfer. Or even if it's one of these did you know that there are uh, there are places where people 
come into a, they all come into some space. They're not all on Zoom. They actually come into something. I think they called it an office. And uh, so if you were in such a obscure type of place, you could even walk over to the CEO's office and confirm that that wire transfer really is legit and coming from them. And assuming that the uh, cyber criminals haven't gotten to the point where they can create uh, lifelike animatronic uh, bots that look just like your CEO, that's a way to confirm whether it's a valid wire transfer or not. So there are things that can be done, um, but awareness is, I think, is really the biggest thing. Tim, thank you for diving deep there. This has been a very educational for a number of reasons, including knowing where uh, the Secret Service maps to. Um, but I think it's time for our hoodie rating. And so, Chad, I'm going to start with you. What would you rate this at? So I went and looked up Petersboro um, while we were chatting here, or Peterboro. And there's like maybe 40 streets max in that municipality. It is a tiny Tiny place. I can't believe they had $2.3 million lying around to be stolen. Or 2.3, was that what it was? Over $2 million. So if I'm a, if I'm a, like a BEC actor right now, I'm looking and thinking, wow, there's lots of tiny towns all over America that could be taken. And not a lot of them have any cybersecurity uh, maturity whatsoever. So um, yeah, it's, it seems like we have all these elaborate vulnerabilities and exploits and things, but it really comes down to uh, you can just convince some people to send you a bunch of money um, from one of these tiny municipalities and you can just keep trying until uh, you're successful. So I would say this is continuing to be a problem. Uh, BEC continues to be the biggest loss of money, even more so than, uh, you know, the, the where that shall not be named. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I would rate this a nine out of 10, actually, just because I'm, yeah, it's just all these small communities are vulnerable, especially they have, I didn't realize they would have just millions of dollars, but um, maybe that's just New Hampshire. Certainly the small towns in Nevada uh, do not have millions of dollars. <laughs> well, you know, when they're able to, um, to sell liquor tax free right across the border from states where there are liquor taxes, they've got a lot of revenue rolling in. Mm, good point. Yeah. So maybe of course, that's Hampshire, not tax revenue, but it's, but you know, it finds its way into the economy. Yeah. The booze economy. <laughs> Is that where people get paid to boo? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> well, Tim, would you agree then? Nine out of 10? Do you think that's uh, the right score to go with? I was going to go a little bit lower than that. Chad makes a good case. I'll, I don't know. I'll say eight. I think it's, um, and the reason I say that is this is solvable. Uh, not we're never going to get to zero, but you know there are there are things you can do about this, maybe in some ways almost more easily than ransomware just because it that one takes so sorry, I said the word. you can bleep it out uh, in post. because <laughs> uh, that one has a lot of components and and moving parts that you have to kind of get your arms around in order to stop it. Um, and this one, if you can lock down those darn humans, which is, you know, that sounds like a scary thing to say. So anyway, if you can secure those darn humans uh, against social engineering, um, then you have a, a good shot. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put this at eight. 
And that is a good reminder from Chad that even though the other word gets all the the headlines these days, um, this one is still bleeding us out. So yeah, don't ever think you're unsocial engineerable and get good at recognizing the signs. Know the signs. Well, thank you for that stern warning, you two. And I think it's time that we play our, our game and bring joy uh, back into the pod now that we've said all the scary things. Um, so this is very similar, as you can imagine, to the game Two Truths and a Lie. But rather than talking about ourselves, we have one of us come up with three article titles from the, the previous week. And so Chad's actually up this week. Um, and two of those articles are, are real and one is a lie. And so Tim and I are going to try to figure out where Chad is trying to deceive us. He lies to our virtual faces and breaks our hearts. All right, here we go. Um, number one, bizarre call malware actors shifting to fake DDoS reporting to lure victims. Number two is Ragnarok Ransomware Gang calls it quits and shuts down, releasing a decryption tool. And number three is new Cobalt Strike update adds support for automatic exploitation of DNS subdomain takeover vulnerabilities. These are all so specific, which is awfully challenging and cheeky of you, Chad. Mm. Ooh, that was a telling grunt. That Great was a number alliteration. Four grunt. Yeah. Very well. Very well done. What was the second one again? Let's see. The second one was Ragnarok Ransomware Gang calls it quits and shuts down releasing decryption tool. And which one was the lie again? Mm. Oh. <laughs> uh, that was a good try. It's worth a shot. <laughs> that would have been that would have been pretty great if that had, that would have been very good social engineering. <laughs> I'm gonna say the Ragnar one because I know we did discuss another ransomware group doing that um, that rebranded fairly recently so it might be it might be kind of trendy this is a risky bet on my end but i'm gonna say that the ragnar one is is the lie that's what i was leaning toward also because yeah i saw the in fact there might have even been a a second one besides the one that we that you're thinking of kelsey and i saw the headline about this and i thought it was not ragnarok so yeah let's let's see if we're both uh correct here we're all in this together tim that's right mm. <laughs> uh, i hope that you can like do a drum roll of grunts uh to to lead in to oh that would be fun <laughs> that, that would be very very doable in post <laughs> what isn't uh i'm afraid that after i die you're just going to keep using my grunts in my voice for this podcast <laughs> that's a, a realistic You're, fear. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's predicated on the idea that you're going to die first, uh, and you know we're all we're all going to die at the same time when the uh, alien invasion occurs. So, mm. but they well, might I mean, keep the podcast going. You know, they're going to look around at the remains of what they've destroyed and figure out what's worth 
scavenging and, and taking with them. And this podcast might be one of those things. We yeah. hope. I think, I think correct. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the podcast is actually the reason they decided it was worth invading Earth. So we're kind of at... I saw a headline that there was a thing behind the moon. Uh, what? Recently. There was... And... You know, this besides the fact that there there are a lot of there are a lot of things behind the moon, you know, like uh, billions of stars and whatnot. So, but I mean, this was this was different. This was like you know a thing that was close, but I don't think that was true. I think that yeah, as Chad said, I think that was the lie. Hmm. I don't know whether to hope that there is really a thing behind the moon, you know, these kind of things or not. Like, I mean, it would be kind of scary, but it would be kind of great for there to be a huge story that's not some awful thing that's happening here. And in that case, it might just be an awful thing that's soon going to happen here, but isn't already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to feel about that either. I'm going to research that later, if I'm being honest with myself. I'm intrigued. Well, Chad. Oh yeah, the lie. Um, uh, you were both wrong. Uh, no. The cobalt strike was the lie. No. <laughs> Damn, I was. Th- this is the other thing. I was really hoping that one was true because that would be kind of great. Although I'm not exactly sure how they would make that work, but bummer. Yeah, there was some research. Uh, the reason why I. I uh chose that as the lies there was some research that someone did and released an exploit that could take down cobalt strike um c2s uh which was fun i hope that no one mass exploited that on the internet but um yeah (laughs) interesting very interesting Mm. 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 well tim wow you have good grunts too you have good grunt game Mm. It's gonna it's gonna start being difficult to know which one of you is is responding emotionally. I think this is just going to turn into a grunting podcast. Uh, it's all Morse code with the Chad Tim grunt combination. Uh, but I I do have some bad news, which is you know with the holiday coming up, there will not be an episode next week of Breaking Badness. But then we'll be with you once more. But we're we're you know away for the holiday. We hope. The same is for you, and you're able to to get away from your working station and that knock on wood. There's nothing too terrible to report in the meantime, but we'll be back the following week, of course, for episode number 96. But we've got many more exciting things coming your way here, including this 100th episode that we're building towards. So be on the lookout for that. We're, we're taking down to that fairly quickly these days. That's exciting. It is exciting. But hopefully we can beat the thing that's behind the moon. That's my new concern, if, you know, being frank here. Well, with that. Oh, and now just an awkward silence. Now, well, we're asking, you know, if people didn't rotate their keys earlier, we're just waiting for them to do it now. That awkward silence was was enough time to maybe, I mean, if you're really fast, you know, rotate those keys. Rotate if you those were keys. almost ready. Rotate those keys. Well, we've hoped that you've had an enjoyable episode. You've rotated your keys and we'll be back next week for, or not next week, two weeks with many more grunts and hopefully some helpful information for you as well. And we'll see you then. Bye. Uh. 
Mm. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.